it's good to remember. And today uh, is the last Sunday of 2020. In a few days, we will again make New Year's resolutions. Probably last year, many of you made resolutions. Some of them, like me, were to lose weight. That's not funny. <laughs> Exercise more, travel, visit relatives, some even to attend church more often. But little did any of us know that 2020 would bring a worldwide pandemic that would cause us to gain weight, exercise less, almost stop all travel, sequester us from our loved ones, and for several months close the church down completely. What 2020 did bring was a lot of heart-wrenching loss. For some, it was a loss of a job. For others, it was a loss of a graduation ceremony or the loss of a planned wedding event. And for others, it was a loss of a loved one or dear friend like we have just seen. Too many have not even been able to have a proper memorial service for their loved one and have had to grieve in silence, being quarantined from those that would normally be there for support. But today we come to the last Sunday of 2020. And if you're like me, I am ready to say farewell, good riddance to one of the worst years of our lives. I'm reminded of a little song I heard when I was just a child. And this is what I want to say to 2020. I don't know how good it's been to know you, but it's uh, good to say so long. This year was particularly hard for many members of our congregation as they did lose loved ones and friends. Some from the COVID virus and others from sickness or accident, accidental death. Each year we set this last Sunday of the year aside to remember those who have passed on. However, as we come to today, December 27th, 2020, we're not only called to remember those that have gone, we're called to remember the very reason that this church exists. And I was sitting up here thinking of how, what a terrible year this has been, but look what God has done through his church. And I'm not going to rehearse all of the, the debt that's been paid off and the, the, the hundreds of thousands of food given away and the people that have been helped. But the church has been more alive in 2020 than it's been in the past. But as we come to this last Sunday, we see that the church exists for the very reason 
to prepare people for the end of life and eternal life that will follow. Today, as we remember those who have passed away, we are also called to remember the reality of the believer's hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. At every service, memorial service, or funeral service I conduct, there's one passage of scripture that I always quote. It's the passage found in John 14. And would you stand for the reading of God's word? The, the passage is uh, the Last Supper. And Jesus has just uh, confided in his disciples that in a few hours he's going to die. That's not what they had planned on. They had hoped for something else. They had looked for uh, someone else. Someone that was going to be a king uh, would reign. And they were sorrowful. We've all experienced that. And Jesus said these words to them. And he says them to us today. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Unto him, Lord, we're, we know not whether you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye would have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Shall we pray? Father, today as we close out this year, the most unusual year of our lives, we come to you and uh, we thank you that you have seen us through this year. And Lord, we don't know what 2021 holds, but we do know this, that whatever it holds, you have us in your hands. Bless us now with this uh, time we have together. Speak through this, your messenger, into each one of our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There is a question that uh, is before us today. As we hear these words of Jesus, what should we remember as we look back on those who have passed and look to the future at someday our own passing? Well, I believe that today's scripture reminds us of several truths about death and eternity. The first truth is death for the believer does not have to be a troubling event. Imagine that scene around that Last Supper table. Maybe you have experienced something like that when you have received the news that one of your loved ones is not going to live long. The disciples had left their occupations, their families, they had left everything to follow Jesus. And now they hear that he is going to die. But in the midst of their sorrow, Jesus gives to them, and I believe he gives to each one of us today these most comforting words when he said, Let not your heart be troubled. 
Now how could Jesus, who is just a few hours, he knows that he would be arrested, falsely accused, humiliated, beaten, hung naked on a wooden cross, and die, give, give words of hope and to his followers. Well, there's several reasons. I believe he could do this because Jesus knew what it was all about. Luke 19.10 said, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Many thought of his disciples thought he had come to set up an earthly kingdom then and there. But his mission was much larger than just those who lived in the Holy Land during those days. He looked down through the ages and saw each one of us in need of a Savior and something more than an earthly kingdom. I believe uh, uh, Jesus' followers were encouraged because Jesus knew that his blood would be the required sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. There weren't enough lambs, there weren't, wasn't enough blood to, to do the job as required by God's word. But Jesus knew he was the perfect lamb, the spotless lamb, the lamb of God. I'm sure that the humanity in Jesus was not looking forward to what lay ahead in the next hours that faced him. However, he was so sold out to God's will that whatever pain, whatever humiliation, and yes, even death that he faced would be worth the end result, the salvation of your soul and my soul. In the garden, Jesus prayed these words, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I want to ask you the question today, shouldn't that be the prayer of each and every one of us? God's will for our life may not always be pleasant. It may not always be pain-free. It may not always be popular. But in the end, it is the best way for our lives. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor who openly opposed Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime, was arrested and just before the war's end was hanged at Flossenburg concentration camp for his Nazi beliefs, uh, his anti-Nazi beliefs. Earlier, Bonhoeffer had written, being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than almost courageously and actively doing God's will. That's what we need to do, be doing God's will. And when we do his will, sin will avoid us. Then he could say this, these words of encouragement, because Jesus knew that his resurrection would end the permanency of death. Aren't you glad of that today? Just before this, Jesus had been summoned to the house of his friends Mary and Martha because their brother Lazarus was sick. Jesus didn't come right away. And it was several days later when he showed up. 
he was greeted outside the, the city by the news that Lazarus had already died. When confronted with the grieving sister Martha, she said, and I almost think angrily, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus then replied these words to him, I, her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Anyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Think about that. You've lost loved ones this year that believed in Jesus, and we say they died. But Jesus said they didn't die. They have just gone to a new life. We know that the end of this story. Jesus went then to the grave where Lazarus had been buried for four days earlier and commanded him to come out. Still wrapped in the clothes they buried him in, he came out alive and well. Why? Because Jesus said the word. We can trust the word of Jesus. Yes, grieving happens when death comes. Even Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus. But the good news is death does not have the final word. And then we're reminded today that death here is really the beginning of eternal life with Jesus. In John 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now the question is, where is Jesus? Well, the simple answer is he's in heaven. It was on the very mount where Jesus was taken up that the two angels declared, Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into the heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you have seen him go. You see where he went and where he's coming from. But the question really is, what is Jesus doing in heaven? Is he playing on his iPad? Is he just sitting back and enjoying uh, the sunshine? No, the first thing we know is he's hearing our prayers and interceding on our behalf. Aren't you glad of that today? It says, Jesus Christ died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. As he told his disciples, he's also preparing a place for us. We used to sing a gospel song that went something like this. I once was an outcast stranger on earth, a sinner by choice, an alien by birth. But I've been adopted, my name's written down, an heir to a mansion, a robe and a crown, a tent, or a cottage, why should I care? They're building a palace for me over there. Though exiled from home, yet still may I sing, all oh, glory to God, I'm a child of the King. Well, where is Jesus? 
He's certainly in heaven. But friends, he's not just in heaven. He's indwelling the believers. On that same mountain where he was taken into heaven, he told his followers these words, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I am convinced, as I have been in ministry now for over 40 years, as I've walked with Jesus, that the biggest problem people have today, the believers I'm talking about, is that they want enough of God to make it to heaven, but they want to live their life here on their own. They don't want that full work that we call entire sanctification. What is that? It's just the infilling of, of the Holy Spirit. It's the surrender of our life, our will, to God's will. We, yes, want the promise of heaven, but we really don't want God messing our lives up in the here and now. I've got news for you, friends. We do a pretty good job all on our own of messing our lives up. The fact is, the person who does not allow the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, to fill them, to cleanse them from the very nature of sin, lead powerless Christian lives. We don't have the ability on our own to live the Christian life, but when His Holy Spirit takes over, we can live the way God intended and do what he wants us to do. I remember Marilyn and I had gotten back with the Lord and we were going to church. And many of you have heard me tell this story, so indulge me. I had a good job. Everything was going well in our lives. And I'd go to the altar on Sunday and pray and say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I did this week. I'm going to live a different life this week. And uh, I'm going to be the best Christian you've ever had. And I meant it. But then Monday came. And I fell into the same patterns. Nothing, nothing terrible. Just not honoring to God. The next Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, I find myself at that altar and praying the same prayer and same prayer. And finally, one Sunday, I don't know what the pastor preached about. I don't know what the choir sang. I don't know what the invitation hymn was. But I went alone to the altar and I, I gave up. I said, Lord, I can't live the Christian life. I quit. And God moved up next to me. And he said, you finally figured it out, huh? Who said you could live the Christian life? Who said you could do it? Why don't you just quit trying and allow my, me to come in and take over? And I didn't know any theological terms. I hadn't been to Bible college. I, I said, Lord, I don't know what I ever have, what I'll ever be, what I'll ever accomplish. But I said, if you'll come and change me from the inside out, I'll do what you want me to do. I didn't know how theologically correct I was that day. And you know what? There weren't fireworks that went off. There wasn't uh, a big drum roll or anything like that. But Jesus came 
And you know what happens? The things that I was trying to get away with, now I was trying to get away from. Instead of the rules, quote-unquote rules of the church being a maximum that you couldn't attain, now they became a minimum because I wanted to please God in every way that I could. I didn't have to look at the rule book to see if that was allowed or not. The scripture says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me. But you will see me, since I live, you will live also. And then we're reminded on this last Sunday of 2020 that Jesus is the only way of salvation. Thomas, the one we know as the doubter, when he heard Jesus make the statement that where I am, there ye may be also, asked the question, we have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus replied, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now there's a prevailing thought in our world today that when people die, they're just all going to heaven. Well, the good news is God's made that provision. But, in fact, not everyone believes in Jesus Christ. In fact, it's, it's, it's uh, in a survey, 52% of Christians believe that there are other ways to heaven. Well, the reasons I believe that Jesus is the only way is summed up in, in four different things. First of all, his power. When Jesus walked this earth, he promised performed miracles. He turned water into wine. He healed the sick. He even raised people from the dead. But the greatest of those was when he said on the third day, I will rise from the grave. No other religious leader has done anything near to what Jesus did. The second thing is prophecies about Jesus and prophecies he made. Throughout the Old Testament, there are prophecies of a coming Messiah. It told where he would be born, that he'd be born of a virgin, how he would live, even foretold his death and the date of his crucifixion. No other leader had prophecies written about them, let alone fulfill them. And then Jesus preaching. No other religious leader taught the way that Jesus did. He's the only one that provided a genuine solution for the problem of sin. Every other leader taught you had to obey a moral code or law while striving to do better. Jesus said that we're all sinners and that he was going to pay the price for our sins with his blood on the cross. He said all we had to do is trust in him, believe in him for salvation. And finally, Jesus' perfection. 
No other religious leader lived the way that Jesus lived. All of the other leaders lived sinful lives. Muhammad admitted that he was just a man like us. Some were polygamous. Others were murderers. And still others made prophecies that never came to pass. Jesus was the only one to claim he lived a perfect life. His followers described him as a man without sin. And the very people that had him crucified proclaimed that they found no guilt in him. For those that believe there's some other way to heaven, they are saying that the Bible is false and that Jesus is a liar. No, Jesus is the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Well, we come to the end of 2020. As soon, praise the Lord, be in our rearview mirrors. And we need to ask ourselves this question. Are we ready to meet Jesus in 2021? As our pastor has told us many times, it's as easy as ABC. Admit that we're sinners and accept Christ's forgiveness. Believe in Jesus by putting our trust in him as our only hope of salvation. Become a child of God by receiving him into our hearts. And see, confess that Jesus is Lord of your life. We certainly don't know what 2021 will bring. None of us know for sure that our name might not be on that board next year. But we can be sure of this. If we have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we have nothing to be concerned about. There is no virus, there's no cancer, no heart disease, no accident, no tragedy, nothing, I repeat, nothing that can take the victory that we enjoy away in Jesus away from us. This has been a difficult year of loss for many of you that have had to say goodbye to loved ones and friends. But remember this, Jesus has prepared a place in heaven for those who trust in him. One day we will be reunited and rejoice together with them and with him.